Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. If I could sing, <laughs> which I can't, I'd want to sing like that. I, I really want to have a word of encouragement to my brother. I really think the only thing he needs is a little more enthusiasm. <laughs> Bless you, my brother. I can, if anybody has ever shot right past heaven because they were going so fast, there may be one right there. It is such a blessing. I'm going to do something with this. Is that all right? Yeah. Blessing to have our director of missions with us tonight. Roger Wilmore does not know this, but I have known him, known of him for a long, long time. And you are blessed. I knew your former director of missions, Sid Nichols. He's one of my dear friends that I preached for uh, when he was a pastor in Dothan and other places. And I'm so blessed that God has led Brother Roger you to this association. And uh, you are, you've got a great reputation. And I pray the Lord will use you in a wonderful way. Every revival, I am blessed beyond measure by sometimes the same similar, similar things or the same things. And sometimes by different things. And I'm always blessed when I'm with a pastor who has a love for the Lord, a walk with God, who is a great encourager and is just fun to be with. And your pastor is one of those. You don't know it, but uh, this guy has served uh, large churches, could serve any big church anywhere, and you got him and you're blessed to have him. He's blessed to have you. And I know why you called him. You called him to get Lou, didn't you? Amen. Thank the Lord for your pastor and his wife. Would you join me in this? Well, tonight I, I did something I have never, ever done before. While we were preaching that wonderful song on victory, and by the way, I love to be around scholars too, New Testament, Ph.D., Greek, Ph.D., I am so intimidated I, I want to say, oh, I say, I'm an Etiusi, my side tie, I made this the end tie. Now, you don't know what I just now did, but that was the endings that we had to memorize in Greek class. And, Roger, you probably had that stuff, too. But this guy is a scholar, and we were singing about victory in Jesus. I reached over into his ear and said, locative of sphere. Now, you hadn't got a clue what that means, but in Greek class, you had to learn that. And what it means is this, our victory is not in us, it is in him. And the one who conquered death, hell, and the grave is our victory because we are in Christ because he is in us. And we can be more than conquerors through him that loved us because we stand in Christ alone. What a marvelously powerful theological, uh, incredible statement in that song, and thank you for singing it for us. Paul said, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And uh, Thomas and I were visiting just a few moments ago uh, before the service, 
And I remembered sharing with him that oftentimes I'll come to the pulpit and I really am not sure what I'm going to preach. Now that would be very unnerving to a lot of people, but that's just the way I work. And tonight, and I know that you're thinking, this preacher has got a bunch of sermons in his back pocket. He just whips one out and tries it. Well, I want to tell you tonight, I've never preached this sermon before. <laughs> you the first. And so I want to break this one in on you, but I want to tell you, God has so blessed me in preparing it. I can't wait to hear myself preach it. <laughs> it is truth that'll set you free. And tonight, I want to talk to you about standing in our victory in Jesus. Standing in our victory in Jesus. How could the song have been more wonderful tonight, more appropriate, more applicable, more uh, fitted for tonight? I want to invite you to look with me to 1 Peter, uh, excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 1. And I want to premise a statement about a new sermon with an obvious truth. That truth is, there is no new truth. It's not the preacher's job, it's not the speaker's job, it's not the singer's job to bring new truth. Our problem is not that we need new truth. We need to lay hold of old truth. We need to grasp it and apply it to our lives. It's one thing to know Jesus. But that word know has several connotations. You can know something intellectually. You can know something mentally. But then you know something experientially. And to stand in our victory in Christ means that we have learned that in Christ, whatever battles we face, whatever storms we come across, whatever difficulties that we have to go through, whatever issues we face, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And uh, we're not going to tell you anything tonight you don't already know, but I just want us to help us, I want to help us to try to know it a little bit better. A year, a few years ago, I heard a preacher tell a story, and it was terrible, but I've never forgotten it. <laughs> so I will share it with you because it made such an impression or impression on me. An old boy was married. And he loved his wife with all of his heart, and she was precious. And Thomas is getting elbowed right about now. <laughs> this does not apply to y'all. Because you see, he loved her, but she was, how shall I say it? She was not Miss America. Uh, that doesn't apply to anybody here. In fact, she was pretty homely. She was, <laughs> she was pretty close to ugly. I hadn't seen anybody, I hadn't seen anybody in Oxford like that. I, some have been close, but I hadn't seen anybody in Oxford like that. But he loved her with all of his heart. And she loved him. And one day they were in town shopping and they walked into a pet store because they both were animal lovers. There happened to be a talking parrot. Uh, Libby and I were camping two weeks ago at Lake Gunnersville, and there was a man there that walked around every day, and he had a parrot sitting on his shoulder, and that parrot could sing the Alabama fight song. <laughs> I'd never seen anything like he he uh, uh, 
he was amazing. Well, this parrot in this, in this uh, pet store was a talkative parrot. And so the man and his wife walked over and just stood there. And that parrot looked at the man and just looked at him. And he looked at the wife and his eyes got big. And the parrot said, you are ugly. Well, the man was infuriated. He had never been so embarrassed in all of his life. What the parrot said to his wife was embarrassing. So he went over to the manager of the store and demanded an apology. He said, you need to do something about that bird because he is going to run your customers off and I'll never be back here if you don't fix that. I'll take care of it, said the manager. The manager walked over that bird and shook his finger in that bird's face and said, bird, you listen to me. Don't you, don't you ever tell another customer they're ugly again. Do you hear me? And the bird did this. If you do, you're going to be in big trouble. Do you understand? So the manager went back over to the man and his uh, not-too-pretty wife. And he said, I'm so sorry, it'll never happen again. And the man and his wife could not resist the temptation to go back by the birdcage one more time. Just to show that they had gotten their word across to the manager. And so they walked over the birdcage and stood right there. And when they turned to walk out, the bird just looked at them. The bird said, hey, mister. The man wheeled and said, what? bird said, you know what. (laughs) Well, tonight it's not things that we don't know. It's things that we already know that I pray that God will use to help us to apply them to our heart. So we can leave here singing victory in Jesus, victory in Christ. Listen to how Simon Peter shared these words. And know please that in 1 Peter, he was writing to a church of of believers that was going through great difficulty and trials and hurts and heartaches. But in 2 Peter, the emphasis is on a, a warning because there were false teachers that were infiltrating the church. And causing havoc in the body of Christ. And so Simon Peter addresses some things that they need to discover. In just a few moments, we're going to look at three things that I really believe are unfolding in our passage. First of all, some things God wants us to know in order to stand in victory and be more than overcomers in Christ. Secondly, some things he wants us to do. That will ensure our standing in victory. In fact, number three is some things he wants us to discover that we might be a witness to a lost world and to to the rest of the world about the mighty power of our Lord to make us more than conquerors through Christ. Listen to what Simon Peter wrote. Let's begin in verse one, if that's all right. Simon Peter a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them which have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. If your name is Karen, that's the word for grace, Karis. If your name is Irene, that's the word for peace, Irene. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God 
and of Jesus our Lord. In three chapters, Simon Peter uses the word gnosko, the word for know, or knowledge, or some derivative of that word, 16 times in three chapters. There are some things that I want you to get hold of, some things that I want you to lay hold of and stand on. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Don't miss that. Simon Peter says, God has given you, when you were saved, God put in you the sweet Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came to dwell within you, not only were you baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit, you became indwelt by the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he brought to you all of the assets, all the blessings, all of the power, and all of the standing that comes with knowing and loving the Lord Jesus. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. There's nothing else you need that God has not already provided. And the same is true for me in Christ. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. He's called us to be victorious in Christ. Whereby, in verse 4, are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature. We might be more like Christ. The fruit of the Spirit might uh, be so obvious in our lives, and love and joy and peace and goodness and long-suffering and, and gentleness and meekness and all those things that really speak of the life of Christ. That we might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Standing in victory means that we manifest the life of Christ, we are delivered from the temptations of this old world, and we are a witness to the fact that we serve a victorious Christ. How do we do that? Well, first of all, there are some things that Simon Peter said in these three chapters that God wants us to know. You'll, you just may want to just to note them. We're going to mention them briefly tonight. First of all, you need to know your salvation. That's first and foremost. Be sure in, in verse 10 of chapter 1 uh, to give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. What a wonderful promise. Do you know we sing that song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. And I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, that if you want to stand in personal victory, you need to have it settled in your heart, your knowledge of Christ as your Lord and Savior. Uh, and, and the reason I say that is in, in 1 John, in those few chapters, John uses the word no many, many times in those chapters, and he talks about dealing with doubt. John Bunyan, in Pilgrim's Progress, had a, had a, a chapter, had, a, had a, a portion of his book that dealt with Christian's journey to the celestial city. And on one occasion... 
the old giant of despair captured Christian, captured the believer, captured Pilgrim, and threw him into his dungeon. And in that dungeon, the old giant of despair ridiculed the believer, ridiculed Pilgrim, ridiculed Christian day and night. And he was there for a long time. And he was locked into the cell of that dungeon. Until one day, Christian or Pilgrim discovered as he reached into his pocket that there was a key in his pocket that he wasn't even aware that he had. And he reached into his pocket and pulled it out. And Bunyan says that with that key, he tried the lock. And that key unlocked the door to the dungeon of Doubting Castle. And Pilgrim walked out never to return to that place again. May I tell you, it is a great day of victory when all of the doubts are settled. And you can say, I know, I know, I know, I know that I'm his and he is mine. I know because I've been born from above. And I was there when it happened. I didn't just walk an aisle and fill out a card. Something spiritual happened inside of me that I can't explain. Listen, I just, I just want to tell you, that's why Jesus talked to Nicodemus about the new birth. There is no bypassing and spiritual encounter that Jesus described as the new birth. And if you want victory, you've got to first of all know the giver of victory in Christ through the new birth. You ought to be able to go back somewhere. You may not be able to remember every detail. And I realize as we grow older, our memories sometimes begin to fade. And that's normal and that's natural. But there ought to be a time and place in your life where you can go where there you realize that you were a sinner and Christ died for you on the cross and you turned from sin as best as you knew how and invited Christ to become your Lord and Savior. One night, I had been preaching for a little while. I was not a yet pastor. Lib and I had been married for about a year and a half. And I married a sweet Sunday school teaching, choir singing, nursery keeping, Southern Baptist Bell. I did. I, I got me a good one. Well, Sam Wolf. Anybody here ever know Sam Wolf? Sam Wolf at one time, I believe, was one of the greatest preachers in all of Alabama. Was in our church in revival. And Sam and I have been friends for years. And Sam preached on the second coming of the Lord. Libby and I went home that night, went to bed, turned out our light, had our prayers, went to bed. And I heard sniffing and found out Libby was lying over there crying. And as most men are incredibly sensitive, I said to her as an 18-year-old young boy, almost 19, what's the matter with you? <laughs> and she responded through a broken, with a broken voice and through her tears, I realize tonight I'm not saved. I was so taken back and I was so shocked. I said probably the dumbest thing that I've ever said or it qualifies for one of the dumbest. I, I, was, I, was, I, I wasn't expecting it. And I said, well, why don't you just go up tomorrow night and get saved? Hello? That's not what you said. That's not a good answer. And she responded, what if I don't make it till tomorrow night? We turned on the light, got down on our knees by our bed, 
open the Word of God to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 13, where among other things he says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that night, sweet Libby opened up her heart to the Lord, asked him to come into her heart and save her. And that night, she did not just walk down an aisle like she had done as a young lady at West Huntsville Baptist Church. She didn't just join the church. She didn't just go because a friend went. She gave her heart and life to Christ. And now she can sing amazing grace and blessed assurance because she knows that she knows that she knows Jesus. How do you stand in victory? There are some things that you need to know. You need to know your salvation. By the way, let me just add this quickly. I've heard preachers say, Brother Roger, that if you have ever doubted or if you are doubting your salvation, that must mean that you're not saved. Please listen carefully. That's just not so. It's not so because John would not have written all that he wrote if Christians didn't struggle with doubt. Listen, you know you can feel bad physically and doubt. You can, you can be going through a storm and doubt. You can have your world fall in around you and begin to doubt. Sometimes you can go through emotional stress and doubt. And uh, uh, listen, uh, a lot of things can cause doubt. But that's why the Bible says examine yourselves to see whether you be in the faith. And here Simon Peter says make sure of your calling and your election. Settle it. So the old devil doesn't use it as a foothold to drag you down in, uh, in sin or compromise and defeat. How do you stand in victory? You know your salvation. Number two, how do you stand in victory? It's things he wants you to know. He wants you to know your scriptures. In fact, in chapter 1, verses 12 through 21, he said, Scriptures are not... Uh, uh, the men didn't just dream them up. The Holy Spirit of God spoke to holy men of old. God inspired it. And Paul said to young Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the child of God may be perfect, that is full grown, mature, thoroughly furnished, through, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Somebody once said, sin will keep you from this book. But this book will deliver you from sin. The psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against God. And if you want to stand in the victory that is yours in Christ, get in the word. And by the way, Sunday morning in Sunday school, Sunday morning in worship, and Sunday night in worship is not enough. You need to get along with God every day. You need to find a disciplined time. You need to get away from the distractions and hide the word of God in your heart. How do you stand in victory? Things he wants you to know. He wants you to know your salvation. He wants you to know the scriptures. He wants you to know in chapter 2, verses 1 through 22, Satan's schemes. Satan is a liar and Satan will deceive you. And Simon Peter, remember that Jesus said to Simon Peter who wrote this, Satan hath desired to sift you as wheat. And so Simon Peter wrote and said, be on the guard. Uh, Satan's going to send false prophets. Uh, By the way, don't believe everything you hear on all the media. I've never heard so much stuff in all my life that didn't, didn't didn't line up with God's word. But listen, stand on the word. Stand on the word. Know your salvation. Know your scriptures. Know Satan's schemes. Number four, know the Savior's returning. <laughs> Listen, one of these days, 
The trumpet of God shall sound, as we mentioned last night. One of these days, sweet Jesus is going to come, and I believe his coming will be personal. It'll be glorious. It'll be literal. It'll be visible. And I want to tell you, folks, that's going to be the greatest homecoming day this world has ever seen. Even so, said John, come, Lord Jesus. Come. Listen, if you want to stand in victory, some things you need to know. Know that you're saved. Know what the scriptures say. Know Satan's schemes. And know that Jesus is returning. And if you'll keep your eyes fixed on the eastern sky, living and looking for the Lord Jesus, you'll stand in victory. Some things he wants us to know. But number two, standing in victory means there's some things he wants us to do. He wants us to do... He wants us to really do two things. He wants us to, uh, well, let me read them for you. In Hebrews chapter 6, and if you want to turn there, you certainly may, verse 18 and 19 and 20, verses 18, 19 and 20, but if not, just listen. Some things he wants us to know, some things he wants us to do. The Hebrew writer said, verse 18 of chapter 6, That by two immutable things, unchangeable, unalterable truths, in which it was impossible for God to lie. And I want you to to just put that down in your heart. Do you know it is impossible for God to lie? Standing on the promises of Christ my King through eternal ages, let his praises ring. Glory in the highest, I would shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. We have three children And they all are unique, they all are wonderful, and they all have their own personality. But one, his spiritual gift is lying. Now, it was when he was little. He's gotten out of it now. He grew up. But here was a kid who could look you in the face and make you believe he had done something or not done something when he was guilty of sin. He just, he, just, uh, he just had that gift, and uh, I, I'm glad he grew out of it because it got him in a lot of trouble growing up. But I will tell you, it is impossible for God to lie. And when God gives you a promise in his word, you can stand on that promise, and it doesn't matter how the world looks, which way the wind's blowing, or what's falling, what's, how the world's falling in around you, you can stand in Christ When you stand on the promises of Christ. It is impossible for God to lie. That we might have strong consolation. Strong encouragement. Who have fled for refuge. To lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Now listen. Which hope we have as an anchor for the soul. Both sure and steadfast. Which entereth into that within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us entered even Jesus. Made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, folks, there's a lot of preaching in that passage, but I just want to share this with you. Simon Peter said you need to know some things. You need to do some things. One, you need to, you need to anchor your life to the unchanging, unalterable, immutable promises of God. I mean, you need to stand in Christ and stand on the promises. Now listen, and you need to stand on and stand in the finished work of Christ on the cross. 
You can't do anything to earn your salvation, to merit it, or make it any sweeter. Jesus paid it all. (laughs) All to him I owe. He is my haven. He is my hope. He is the one who died on Calvary's cross. He is my forerunner. He's the one who entered into the, uh, the presence of God with his own blood from Calvary on my behalf. Listen, I can stand in victory because I stand in a high priest and there's never going to be any need for that old fire again. Like the choir saying that fire when you offer to the animals in the Old Testament. No more because for once and forever it's settled. We're talking about standing in Christ, some things he wants us to know, some things he wants us to do. Anchor our lives to the unchangeable promises of God and the incredible, perfect provision of God in Christ. In Christ alone I stand. When I get before the Lord, and I don't think he's going to do this, but I remember in seminary, uh, in EE or CWT, one of the questions we were trained to ask was, If you were to stand before the Lord, he would say, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? Well, folks, let me tell you. I wouldn't say because I preached for 48 plus years. I wouldn't say because I tried to to be a good man, a good father, a husband. I wouldn't say any of that. I said, Lord, because one day I came as a poor hell-bound sinner and confessed my need of Christ in simple childlike faith turned from sin and received your son by faith. And you said, Lord, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Jesus is the only reason I ought to be in heaven. And he is the reason God has guaranteed every believer will be there forever and ever and ever. Some things he wants us to know, some things he wants us to do, and finally, some things he wants us to discover. I, I, I can only mention these tonight, but it's, uh, it's, have you ever, you ever been going through your closets at home and you found something you forgot you had? Yeah, and uh, maybe, maybe it was something that was priceless or something that was precious to you. Listen, sometimes we forget there are some things God wants us to discover in order that we might stand in his victory. What are they? He wants us to discover his pardon. His pardon. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. A lot of Christians wrestle with guilt. May I tell you the blood of Christ cleanseth from what, church? All sin. Thank God. When God sees me, he doesn't see me clothed in my own unrighteousness. He sees me clothed in the righteousness of Christ because I stand in him. And when Jesus died, all of the righteousness of Christ was attributed to my account and to yours. Because he took all of my sin upon himself. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. And every day I can come to the throne room of God. And said, Lord, when I failed you, when I've messed up, thank you for 1 John 1, 9. If we'll confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What some of us need to do is say, Lord, is there anything in my life that I've not gotten right? Anything I've not confessed? Anything I've not dealt with? He wants us to discover the joy of pardon and walking in a cleansed life as a result of our standing in Christ. Number two. He wants us to discover his peace. 
John 14, 27, my peace I give unto you, my peace I leave unto you, not as the world gives, but my peace. Peace, peace, unspeakable peace. You know, there are over 400 references to peace in the scripture. And one of them is the fact that Jesus was the prince of peace. He was the promiser of peace in John 14. He was a portrait of peace in Mark 4 in that temple, in that, excuse me, in that boat tossed on the Sea of Galilee. And the one who was the epitome of peace, who was the portrait of peace and the promiser of peace, is the source of peace that passeth all understanding. In fact, Paul's prayer for the Philippians was that the peace of God that passeth all understanding will rule and reign in your hearts. That's what it means to stand in victory. He wants us to discover pardon, peace. He wants us to discover God's presence, that we're never alone. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, uh, he tells us that uh, we're never alone. He'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. You ever been lonely? Ever been lonely? I've seen some lonely people. There have been days I felt that there were a few people who understood or knew where I was or what I was going through. We've all been there. But I want to tell you it's an assuring thing. We know that right alongside of us is the sweet Lord Jesus. And I want to tell you, folks, you'll not go through anything, experience anything that Jesus will not go through with you and cause you to come out the other side more than a conqueror through him that loved us. Some things he wants us to know, some things he wants us to do, some things he wants us to discover. He wants us to discover his peace, his presence, his power, his power. (laughs) Oh, Paul said, I can do all things through whom? Christ, who strengtheneth me. Oh, that a master man might live in me, that I might be the man that I ought to be. (laughs) You know why you can be more than an overcomer? In Christ, because living inside of you is somebody greater than a Muhammad Ali, somebody greater than whoever you want to call. Uh, I, <laughs> I think about the power that is ours in Christ. We are more than conquerors to him that loved us. There is no enemy the devil will ever bring against you that is bigger than Jesus. That Jesus has not already overcome. He wants us to discover his power. He wants us to discover his purpose. Romans 8, 28. Oh, what a great passage. For we know that all things work together for good. You ever wondered what God was up to in your life? God's got a plan. And he wants us to stand in victory. He's some things he wants us to know, some things he wants us to do, some things he wants us to discover, and discover that God has a plan that he's working out in your life. He wants us to discover his provision. His provision. You see, my God shall supply what, church? All of your need according to his riches in glory, my Christ Jesus. I don't have any kin folks that are, that are rich. None at all. Don't have any that are sick either. I don't, I don't have any. I, don't, I mean, I don't ever expect to inherit anything. And down the road, it's just not in the cards. But that's all right. I've got a heavenly father who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And he knows my needs and he'll provide everything I need. You're talking about being victorious in Christ. Man, I'm not a beggar. I'm a child of the king and so are you. If you've given your life to Christ. Some things he wants us to discover. God's provision. 
And finally, he wants you to discover, and he's promised that you will, paradise. This whole world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Every time I go to the cemetery where my parents are buried, my two younger brothers are buried, and my grandparents and a host of family and friends, my heart is saddened until I remember that death is just a transition. Jesus has conquered death. When these eyes close in death, they'll wake up in glory. And I want to tell you, folks, heaven is as real as a pew that you're sitting on. And one of these days, we're going to walk on streets of gold. And you know what? We'll be able to sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we'll have to worry about gaining a pound. Amen and amen. We're going to have an eternal family reunion. And there nobody's ever going to get mad at anybody. And everybody's going to love everybody. And we're going to live forever in the presence of the King. And we're going to, by the way, if you don't enjoy serving Him down here, you're not going to enjoy heaven. Because we're going to serve him day and night because we can't do anything less. Wow. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. (laughs) And I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, There you may be also. How do you stand in victory? Know what he wants you to know. Do what he wants you to do. So that you might discover what he wants you to discover. To discover that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Would you bow with me please? With our hearts and heads bowed before the Lord. Maybe tonight there's some precious person here and you've been so overwhelmed by the things of this world. You've not felt much like an overcomer. You've not felt very victorious. Maybe you felt beaten up by the old evil one. Maybe you felt discouraged. Maybe you wonder if God knows your address and God is aware of what you're facing. I can promise you he does. And this morning he wants, this evening he wants the truth of his word to find lodging in your heart so that you might stand in the victory that is already yours in Christ for you to lay hold of that in faith, in surrender, in repentance, in commitment, and in trust. Tonight some of us may need to walk down this aisle and simply say, Lord, I'm sorry for being so discouraged. Help me, Lord, to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. Maybe some of us need to come down this aisle for the very first time and invite Jesus to come into your heart and life, turning from sin and by faith asking him to forgive you. He'll save you tonight. Maybe some of you have struggled with assurance and you need to come and get it settled. And say, Brother John, help me to get this thing settled so I won't have to worry about doubt any longer. May we stand in the victory that is already ours in Christ. Father, thank you that you have given us words of encouragement, words of truth. Lord, that will help us to face the storms of this old world. Thank you that you've already made us 
overcomers in Christ. May we be who we are. And may we stand in the righteousness of Christ, overcomers, victorious, standing on the promises of God. And I pray that tonight we'll leave here more than conquerors through him that loved us and loves us. In whose sweet and wonderful name we pray. Amen. Would you stand together with me, please? Our wonderful pastor is here at the front. We're going to sing a wonderful hymn of invitation. And I don't know what God's saying to your heart. I don't know why the Lord laid this message on my heart tonight, except to know that there's somebody here that may be struggling. Maybe you've forgotten who you are in Christ. And if you don't know the Lord, what a great night to come and give your heart to him right here and right now. Would you do that? Let's sing it together, my brother.